0: Good morning. Oh, come on, you can do better than that. There's only like half of you in the room today, so you gotta talk back a little more. Good morning. morning. Here we go. My name's Adam Martin. I'm part of the team here. So glad that you guys are with us. Wanna welcome those of you joining us online or maybe from one of our campuses. I'm grateful we can be one family, even though we're in different places today. So let's show some love to the teams that make it happen every week for us. <laughs> grateful for those guys. Hey, listen, every week here at Seacoast, we end our service with a blessing from Ephesians 320, where we declare that God is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine. And as you saw from that video, 2023 was no exception. You should know as a family, you should know that through your generosity, we were able to have over 2,900 students at camp this year, where more than 850 gave their lives to Christ. Amazing. We've baptized here at Seacoast across all campuses we have baptized more than 800 people this year alone. Through your generosity, we launched a new campus in Kane Bay and we celebrated 20 years in Irmo. That's amazing. Through your generosity, we've got to serve more than 15,000 people at our Dream Center this year. That's amazing. Through your generosity, we were able to send out dozens of mission trips all over the planet so that people could know more about the life-giving message of Jesus. And through your generosity, we launched a counseling center where in just the last four months, we've been able to offer more than 1,100 appointments. So grateful for your generosity as a family seacoast. We could not have done these things without you. So As we jump into the message today, I'm going to tell you on the front end here that I'm calling the message, the secret to happiness, which sounds great, right? I mean, who who wouldn't want to know the secret to happiness? And I'm going to do what I rarely do, which is to give you the answer right here at the beginning. So are you ready? That guy's ready. One person. Are you ready to know the secret to happiness? Okay. The secret to happiness is. To forget about being happy. Oh, well, that's not very encouraging. Adam came out in the rain today to be encouraged. You're off to a bad start, but you need to know there's more to be said about this. I just want you to know that the secret to being happy is to learn that you were made for more than being happy. You were made for more than being happy. How many of you would say that you have a lot of happiness in your life? Like less of you than you had 30 seconds ago when I told you to forget about being happy, right? So a few of you. How many of you would say you have a lot of joy in your life? Notice there are fewer hands in the room, and I wonder if that's not because we're a little confused about what joy is. We don't really understand joy, and I'll put myself in the mix with you. There have been times in my life where I have also been confused about joy And happiness for a long time, I had always thought that joy and happiness were the same thing, but I've come to realize that's not true. And I would tell you that I've had a lot of happy memories in my life that would have been the basis for my joy, but I've come to see those differently now. Like when I was in high school we threw a surprise birthday party for our young life leader, whose name was Scott. He was older than us. He was in his 30s, had a family of his own, but, but we loved Scott. We were grateful to him. And so his wife asked us if we would be willing to help her throw a surprise birthday for party for Scott. We agreed, and it was great. He felt very celebrated. It was a very joyful time. And then we decided to do what most 16-year-old boys do, which is to take a great thing and make it weird. (laughs) This is just what 16-year-old boys do. We thought the next step of this celebration should be to toilet paper Scott's entire house later that night. Because what says happy birthday like toilet paper all over your house? What says thank you for investing in me? and mentoring me and introducing me to Jesus, like toilet paper strewn all over your property. But this is the mind of a 16 year old boy. You don't need to try to get in there. You'll just hurt yourself. (laughs) So me and my friends, we rounded up all the toilet paper we could find, and we went back to his house later that night. We wanted them to wake up to this wonderful birthday surprise. And we went all out, like dressed in dark clothes, painted our faces with face paint. Like we acted like we were Navy SEALs heading into enemy territory. It was ridiculous. And so we walked down the street armed with as much toilet paper as we could carry that we had definitely ripped off from our parents houses. Sorry about that. And so we had a plan. Some of us would go to the backyard. Some of us would go to the front yard, and we would just start throwing until the rolls were empty. And so we got to the house, and we did just that. We divided up, went to each side of the house and started throwing, and immediately there were these streams of cascading toilet paper that were covering the house, and we were having a ball, and we were like I could see all of my friends around me, but there was this one guy who forget the face paint. He went all out with a face mask, and I couldn't tell who he was because his face was covered, but I knew all who my friends were like I could see Jimmy. There was Steve. There was Lyle. There was Trey, but I couldn't tell who this guy was. So we just kept throwing. I didn't think about it. I was having too much fun until the rolls were empty. We threw toilet paper. A few minutes later, we reconvened in the front of the, in the street in front of his house to see what we had done. We wanted to take joy in what we had accomplished. And man, we were so proud of ourselves and we're, we're looking at the house and we're kind of high fiving each other. And again, here's the guy with the ski mask. And I couldn't figure out who he was until he took it off. And it was Scott. He had helped us toilet paper his own house. And then he threw his arms around us and he said, fellas, it looks amazing. Now clean it up. And we did. We cleaned it all up with just a little less joy than we'd had five minutes earlier. But here was our problem. And I think this is most of our problem. As I've reflected on these kinds of happy moments in my life, I've realized for as great as they might be, they are not the basis for joy, because joy and happiness are not the same thing. So for the last couple of weeks, we have been in a series, a Christmas series on the meaning of Advent. If you don't know, Advent is what we celebrate in the weeks leading up to Advent. Christmas, each week corresponds with a different topic, hope, peace, joy, and love. And the word Advent in Latin means arrival. And so Advent is meant to convey to us that in the person of Jesus, hope has arrived. In the person of Jesus, love has arrived. In the person of Jesus, joy has arrived, and in the person of Jesus, love has arrived. That Jesus is the living embodiment of these things. And today we're going to talk about joy. What is it and where do we find it? So to get an understanding of what joy is, it might be helpful for us to talk about what joy is not. Joy is not happiness. It's a common misunderstanding, but they're not the same thing. You may not know this, but our our culture is somewhat obsessed with happiness. I know this because the words how to be happy are searched more than 100,000 times on Google each month. That means that more than a million times a year, we are literally searching for the answer to happiness. But our problem is this happiness is not enough because happiness is momentary and inconsistent, and that's what makes happiness different from joy. Incidentally, how to find joy is only searched about a hundred times a month. That means that for everyone out there who is searching for happiness, only 1% of them are searching for joy. And so It's important that we understand the difference between the two so that we can make an informed decision on which one we want to pursue. So let me frame this as a comparison. Happiness versus joy to give us an understanding of what they are. And these will be on the screen so that you can follow along. But happiness comes from our circumstances, while joy comes from our perspective. Happiness is an outward expression of our emotions while joy is an inward condition of our heart or to say it simply happiness is on the outside while joy is on the inside and while we have to constantly pursue happiness, we can simply choose joy and I'll explain more about that later, but I want to give you a definition. This is the best definition that I found as I was preparing for this message. Kay Warren defines joy like this. She says, joy is a settled assurance that God is in control. Joy is a quiet confidence that God will use everything for my good. Joy is a determined choice to praise God in all things. And finally, joy is learning to live in the reality that even though everything is not okay, I will be okay. It's worth knowing that she wrote this several years after her 27 year old son took his own life. And through everything that she and her family experienced, she learned that while happiness is focused on our present circumstances. Joy is focused on our future hope. and If she's right, and I believe she is, then you and I, we're only as joyful as we have chosen to be. So if that's what joy is, then then where do we find it? Where do we find joy? Remember, the world's going to tell us that happiness and joy are the same thing. When in fact, they are very different. And I wonder if it's not the goal, the goal of the enemy we face in this life to get us to believe that they are the same thing so that we will settle for one when we could have the other so that we will settle for happiness when we could have joy. Because while happiness comes through our circumstances, joy comes through a person and Jesus Reminds us of this in a conversation with his disciples when he talked about what it would look like to have a relationship with him. He said, I have told you this. That my joy may be in you. And your joy may be complete. What Jesus makes clear in this statement is that our joy is only complete when it is anchored in a person. And that person is Jesus. This is easier to understand if we look at it in the context of the birth narrative of Jesus and John the Baptist. You all know the story of how an angel came to Mary and told her that she would become pregnant with Jesus. Well, not long ago, that same angel went to a man named Zechariah, who was married to Elizabeth. They were much older, and he told them they would also become pregnant with a son. And his name would be John the Baptist. Probably didn't name him John the Baptist, just John. But we later would come to know him as John the Baptist. And so now both Elizabeth and Mary were pregnant. And because they were related, Mary went to visit Elizabeth. And Luke tells us that at that time, Mary got ready and hurried to a town in the hill country of Judea, where she entered Zechariah's home and greeted Elizabeth. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby leaped in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. In a loud voice, she exclaimed, Blessed are you among women and blessed is the child you will bear. But why am I so favored that the mother of our Lord should come to me? As soon as the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. Blessed is is she who has believed that the Lord would fulfill his promises to her. Now, there are three things that happen in this text that Luke gives us that help us understand where we can find joy. And if if you want to follow along in the outline, you can grab that on the Seacoast app. But the first thing Luke gives us here is that he, he tells us when Elizabeth heard Mary's voice, the baby leaped in her womb. Now, that word leap is interesting. Because even in our English language, it implies something immediate and instinctive, right? Like some of your kids are going to leap out of bed at 430 in the morning on Christmas to open presents, and you're going to get up and do it because it's Christmas. And then you're going to leap back into bed later that day to take a nap because you got up at 430 in the morning. In the Greek, the word is... Skirtow, and it means to skip the way a child might skip if they were really excited about something. How many of you remember seeing children skip when they were playing? Anybody? How many of you skip to answer the front door when DoorDash arrives? Anybody do that? (laughs) I know you're out there. Skipping is an outward expression of something that's happening on the inside. It's almost as if there's so much joy going on on the inside That it makes its way through your limbs until you're skipping. And this is what happened when Mary, who was pregnant with Jesus, arrived at Elizabeth's home. Her baby John skipped inside of her. And what Luke reveals to us here is that the natural response to being in the presence of Jesus is joy. We find joy in the presence of Jesus. As Elizabeth spells this out for us in verse 44, she said, as soon as the sound of your greeting reached my ear, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. Now, it's worth knowing that there are about six different words in Greek that translate as joy, but there's only one that translates as exceeding joy, overflowing joy, and that's the one Luke uses here. And what Luke wants us to understand, what he wants to make clear is that we not only find joy in the presence of Jesus, but we find the kind of joy that is exceeding and overflowing. So we find joy in the presence of Jesus. The second thing Luke shows us about how to find joy, where to find joy comes a little earlier in the chapter. And after the angel told Mary that she would become pregnant with Jesus, Mary asks a good question, a question most of us would ask. The angel paints the picture for her, and she basically says, great plan. Love the plan. It's going to be really fun. But how is this going to happen? Because I'm still a virgin. And essentially, the angel looked at Mary and said, the Holy Spirit, the power of God is going to fall on you in such a way that you will become pregnant with a son. And maybe sensing her confusion by that statement. He then offered her this. The angel said, even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old, much older age. And she who is said to be unable to conceive is in her sixth month. For no word from God will ever fail. Now, if you need a basis for joy in your life, you're going to have a hard time finding a better one than that. No word from God will ever fail. What Luke's showing us here is that we not only find joy in the presence of God, but we also find joy in the promises of God. We find joy in the promises of God. And listen, for some of us, it may feel like the promises of God are all we've got. Because life is not what we want it to be right now. Our circumstances are not what we want them to be right now, and so we find ourselves clinging to the promises of God, hoping that something better will come soon. It reminds me of a story about an 18th century Welsh preacher who was standing with a family at the bedside of a woman who was passing away. Now, this woman had been a Christian, strong Christian for all of her life, but her health was now failing, and In the room were also some of her friends. They were standing by her bedside. They thought she was unconscious, and they said out loud to one another, this is a real shame. This is a shame. She's had such a hard life with so little joy. She's seen two husbands die. She's often been sick, and to top it all off, she will die poor. Now, first of all, how many of you know this woman needs better friends? Like if you're standing at someone's deathbed, just keep that junk to yourself. But they said it out loud, and suddenly the woman woke up and said, who calls me poor? I am rich, and soon I will stand before him bold as a lion. And then she died. How many of you want to go out like that? Yeah. Understandably, this had quite an impact on the young preacher standing in the room. It crystallized some things for him about who God was for this woman. She had the only husband who could not die. She had the only wealth that could not be lost. And long ago, her Savior had dealt with her sin, the only disease that could truly kill her. She was right. She was not poor. She was rich, and she lived and died with joy because she trusted in the promises of God. And I want you guys to hear this. I'm begging you to hear this next part. I'm praying that it will make itself into your memory in a permanent way, because we need to know that sometimes the prison may not be the place you're in, but the perspective you have. Sometimes the prison may not be the place you're in. It may be the perspective you have. We need to know that God's promises are the pathway to joy. You see, while happiness is great, it will always demand positive circumstances to exist, but joy is not based on our circumstances. Joy is based on hope, and hope has its roots in God's promises. So we find joy in God's presence. We find joy in God's promises. And finally, we find joy with God's people. Mark Twain once said, to get the full value of joy, you must have someone to share it with. And I believe that's true. Toward the end of his life, Luke records something that Christians have cherished now for centuries. We call it Mary's song. You can read it in that chapter. Or the Magnificat, which in Latin means magnify, because the first words of this song are, my soul magnifies the Lord. But what I, what I really want you to see about this is how it came to be. In verses 39 and 40, Luke tells us that Mary got ready and hurried to a town in the hill country of Judea, where she entered Zechariah's home and greeted Elizabeth. And it was after her visit with Elizabeth, that she began to rejoice in song. Some of us wonder why we don't have any joy in our lives, and we forget that our joy comes alive in community. Our joy comes alive in community. How many of you know what this is? Guitar string, right? Doesn't look like much by itself. It can't really do much, right? It's got to be connected to something bigger than itself to experience what it was made for. But when it is connected to what it was made for alongside others who are connected to what they were made for, it can produce something beautiful. It's all I got if you were expecting a song. (laughs) We need to remember that when we are in community with the people of God, we are able to experience what we were made for. I'm not saying that we shouldn't have non-Christian friends. We absolutely should have friends in our lives that are not believers, because we're called to be a light in this world, but we need to know that our joy comes alive in a community of faith, because we find joy with God's people. And here we are just a couple of weeks away. All of us from setting resolutions, promises to ourselves to do something differently, be someone different. This might be a good one. This might be a good one for you. In 2024, can you commit to putting yourself among a group of people who are growing in their faith and who can help you grow in yours? In January of every year, we kick off all of our small groups across all campuses. We'll make it very easy for you to take that next step, but you will have to take that step. We can't do it for you. And maybe knowing that our joy comes alive in community will provide just enough courage to take that step. I'm not sure if you know this, but um, Jesus had a brother. His name was James. We believe he was the writer of the book of James. What this means is that when Jesus died, James not only lost a friend, he lost a brother. And yet. He writes something very interesting for us in the first couple of verses in his book. He said, consider it pure joy. My brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. There are two Things that we learn about joy from these verses. The first is that joy is a command. Joy is actually a command. He doesn't say, you know, joy is a good idea. You should kick it around. He said, consider it pure joy in the Greek. Count it joy. He used the word as an imperative, a command. And then in the next verse, he tells us why. Joy is a command. He said, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Joy is commanded because we can rest assured that God uses the trials and challenges we face to produce something good in us. And it's with that confidence that we can choose joy. So, joy is not only a command, joy is also a choice. We get to choose whether or not we live in joy. My question for you today is this Do you have joy, or have you simply settled for the pursuit of happiness? Most of the world's settling for happiness, you know this. In fact, our nation's declaration says that we're all entitled to. Life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, right? But how many of you know we were made for a bigger kingdom? We were made for a bigger kingdom. And happiness just falls short of what God has in mind for his church. This is why the secret to happiness is to forget about being happy. Because God is offering us something so much greater than happiness. He is offering us joy. In the passage, Luke tells us that Mary got ready and hurried to a town in the hill country of Judea where she entered Zechariah's home and she greeted Elizabeth. Now that word home in the Hebrew is often used as an idiom to mean family or life. So to invite someone into your home was to invite them into your life or even your family. So here's the question. We all need to answer. If there's no joy in our home, if there's no joy in our life, then we may need to consider what we're filling our lives with. Are we filling our lives with the presence of God? Are we filling our lives with the promises of God? Are we filling our lives with the people of God? Let me close with just a quick story here. Growing up, my dad lived on a lake with a dock that extended out over the water, and I would swim in that lake nearly year-round. But sometimes I was a little hesitant to jump in because the water was cold, and so I would creep up to the edge and stand there until I could get my nerve up. My dad would walk up beside me, and he'd just lean over. And he'd say, you know, if you want to get wet, you're going to have to get closer to the water. And he'd push me in. (laughs) Back in my day, we called this swim lessons. We were a tougher breed. But he wasn't wrong. If we want to get wet, we're going to have to get closer to the water. If we want to get warm, we're going to have to stand closer to the fire. And if we want to have joy. We're going to have to get closer to the God in whose presence we find joy. Let's pray. Father, we do thank you that you sacrificed everything at the cross that we might have joy. Father, so where we see a a void of it in our lives, help us to Ask and answer those questions. Are we putting ourselves in your presence? Are we holding on to your promises? Are we spending time with your people? Give us the courage, we ask, to take the step that would lead us closer to the joy you made us for. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.